in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. When we have our eyes always on Christ, we do the works of our Master. Faith and works are united. You could say that one is the proof of the other. Neither truly exists alone. Today we are given two images. St. Peter having faith and walking on water towards the Son of God, and St. Paul speaking to us about how we are God's temple in which the spirit of faith dwells. Christ is our foundation, and he is the one that we journey towards and who resides as a fire within us. In the Gospel, Christ sends his disciples to traverse the sea without him while he prays on a nearby mountain. A storm arrives, rocking the disciples' boat for the whole night. They worry that they will sink in the depths of Galilee's sea. They see Christ coming to them, walking on water, yet they do not recognize their master and Messiah. Their worries become great and deep fears, thinking a ghost has come to heap more troubles on top of the stormy sea. Christ knew before he sent the disciples ahead of him into the sea that they would be traveling into the danger of a storm. And the scripture tells us he even permitted them to be tossed about for much of the night, even to the darkest hour just before the dawn, well into the fourth watch of the night, as the scripture says. Their fear was so great that they forgot to put their hope in him. Even though they had already witnessed him calm a storm by his words, and marveled at his power over nature. This happens with us too, especially in this time where great waves of uncertainty are like a storm. Social, political, financial, family troubles, attacks on personal freedom, attacks of the devil rage outside as temptations toward judgment and prideful opinion, and they rage within to entice our hearts. So often, we forget how to recognize the sight of our Lord, and we stand on shaky legs, agape at these stormy waves, swelling one over the, over, over the other, threatening to sink us. So often we feel that we will be overwhelmed by them, believing these events and thoughts will sink us into the sea. How often do we doubt and do not believe in Jesus Christ's care for us? We are, not, we are just like the disciples who do not at first recognize their master coming to them. We don't recognize his approach and his presence. We shake with fear, mistaking his approach as a cause for further troubles. We forget what the God who loves us is like, the God who can calm the storms at a word and who steps on its waves whenever he pleases, paying no mind to them as he draws near. Sometimes it seems like Christ is not near. It is true. We feel an absence of spirit and so often fail to call on him or put our trust in him and his salvation, seeing only the storm and failing to remember his goodness and care for us. But let us remember that Christ is the Lord. He does deliver us from tribulation at the appropriate time, and he does so even when we fail to recognize. When we experience great troubles, it does not mean that he is abandoning us. He approaches, though we may not notice that it is him. He is drawing near to us. Christ allows us to be tested and tried. It is good for us. It refines us. Perhaps 
you have already experienced this ebb and flow of his grace, his seeming absence, and then drawing near to you on other occasions. However, our fears dissolve when we recognize him and hear those blessed words from his lips. Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Christ tells the disciples these words, not just as if, it is me, Jesus, your teacher. How out of place would that sort of nonchalant greeting be in this setting? Rather, Christ, with this announcement, is proclaiming his divine nature to the disciples with these cheerful words. We miss it in English because the rendering here that we've heard is, it is I. These great words are the echo, however, of God's word to Moses in the bush on Sinai. They are Christ revealing that he is the great I am, the existing one, he who is, the one who from which all existence comes and has its being, even the one that spoke to the prophets and the seers of the Old Testament. Be cheerful, for I am. Do not be afraid, for I am the God of all things. This is what Christ is saying with his greeting to us. St. Peter, the boldest of the disciples, calls out to the great I am. Bid me come to you. And Christ says, come. Having recognized the beloved master, Peter then participates in the miracle of walking on water. Imagine it. The storm is raging, waves like houses rolling all around, a storm that has tossed the disciples about all night as they kept vigil and have striven to endure it. They have become weary and despondent. Then they see Jesus walking on the water as wind and wave broil the sea, waves crashing against their boat. And now Peter, focused only on Christ, steps into the stormy water and walks toward Jesus Christ, the God-man, as on dry land. How amazing is that? Peter begins to pay attention to the storm, however, and not on his Lord and Savior. He stops walking and he starts sinking. But as long as Peter's eyes were on the I am, he did as his master did. He did the seemingly impossible. He stood and even walked on the storm-tossed water. But when he looked on the stormy, stormy turmoil of the sea, then he ceased to participate in the miracle. The impossible became actually impossible for him. We too begin to sink spiritually when we focus on the storms of life, when our attention is there and not on him, the very Christ, and his providence and love for us. Jesus is there, ready for Peter's cry. As Peter sank beneath the storm, he's ready for our own, Lord, save me. Peter's words that we can make our own. The I am by his own hand rescues the person crying out to him catching the one in need of him as he is sinking into the water. Just like the disciples, we too need to be reminded that Christ has power over all things. And though the world rages around us, our Lord always lifts us up and puts, us, puts out his hand to rescue us. He will not let those that cry out for salvation be destroyed. Just as the winds halted when Christ brought Peter back into the boat, he brings us to a safe harbor and calms the storm in the peace of his salvation. The Apostle, the Epistle reading. Paul gives us the other image of faith. You 
are God's building, he tells us. Teach each and every one of you, Orthodox Christian brothers and sisters, are constructed into the building of the church. This building is built on the firmest foundations, the very Christ, the King, and our God. As Christians, we build our life on this foundation, and each of our actions, our works, by which we join ourselves to him, and which we bring others into communion with him, are our faith in him. Christ is the foundation upon which the church is built, and he sent out the apostles to give himself the foundation stone to all, that our spirits may not be set down on shifting sands of human effort, human ideas, and human plans, but on the rock of faith that is eternal truth. In truth, does Paul say, no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. However, we Christians also build our lives and ourselves through our choices and plans and efforts to be a home for God to live within us. We build on Christ to be sure, but what do we build with? Is what we build with that St. Paul is bringing to, is what is bringing, Paul is bringing our attention to, what we should focus on today. What is it that we're building with? What substances? It is these that will one day be tested revealing what kind of substance it actually is, what each person has used to build up his house. Is it hay, wood, and straw? Or is it gold, silver, and precious stone? Only these last three can withstand the fire that comes in only those that reflect the power of its beautiful light. Only those can reflect his light. Refining and fire. It is a scary-sounding analogy. Recently, I was reminded of the power of this scriptural analogy by an experience I was witness to that involved a whole lot of jewelry. Perhaps this anecdote will bring out the meaning of St. Paul's words in this sort of new, modern context. I found, coming home, sitting on my table, boxes and bags filled with all this glittery, metallic-y stuff. Now this stuff wasn't mine. It was newly acquired by a friend who was given this by a family member as an early inheritance gained from their years of, quote, investing in jewelry. A gift with which my friend now suddenly had to figure out what to do with, how to gain any value from it. The worth of this accumulation of stuff in these bags and boxes was completely unknown to he or I or anyone else in the house. We would look at something and ask, is this worth a whole lot, or is it just shiny and interesting, but a worthless bauble? So what did my friend do? He took it to a man who could judge each piece of jewelry's worth and decide what to keep and buy and what was rubble. The jeweler did this. He picked up some pieces, looking at them, and then saying, it's worthless metal and glass. And then he set it aside. Others, he holds up and judges to be made of precious and good material, and he purchases the whole piece, complete and whole. Some, he looks at, inspects closer, then points at some small little part and says, this little thing here, that's valuable metal. That is silver and gold or this stone is precious, but the rest around it is glass. The rest is cheap stuff. 
with these pieces, he breaks them apart and reserves for purchase only the gold, the silver, and the precious stones. No longer is that thing a piece of jewelry, proper to wear, but it's just a hunk of salvageable but worthy material separated from the worthless. This is something like what God is communicating to us through the Apostle Paul today. These precious metals and stones, they represent the virtues of God that we have in our possession, the godly ways that we live. These precious things are the character and disposition within you that reflects God. We are called to be shining and reflecting his grace as a virtuous people. It's what it means to be a Christian. We are called to be ones who are truly like God and host him within us, a home he may dwell within and shine forth from. A people who in truth may be God's temple where the fruits of the Spirit are as gems and precious metals, reflecting the fire of God and emanating his glory. We have just celebrated the feast of the transfiguration of our Lord. So let's take this as a reminder to ourselves that we are to be transfigured by the uncreated light of God. That shone forth the same light that shone forth on Mount Tabor. We are to become like God. That is our calling. And as the apostle tells us, the day will disclose the substance. If the work which any man has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If any man work is burnt up, he will suffer loss. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Paul is speaking of that day upon which Jesus Christ will return in glory. On that day, all sin will be burnt up. Only the goodness of virtue, only whatever goodness we have become, which you have built up in the house that is your soul, will remain. Each of us will be tried on the final day of the world. A day that no human knows except God himself. The day of our Lord's final approach arrives quicker than we expect. My friends, I pray that each of you are found full of virtue, that it is full of Christ's grace and goodness and power to be shining as gold, silver, and precious stones. Each must continue to walk toward the I am and build with worthy material. The questions to ask yourself right now is this. Am I building in the depth of my heart with gold, silver, and precious stone, the eternal virtues of God? Or am I constructing with wood, hay, straw, and the temporary and futile things of the world? Am I looking to him no matter what the storms that rage around or within me are? The good and clear answer to these questions is given by the response of the conscience. A response of the heart to another question. Do I do this work, whatever that work is, by placing my trust and faith in Christ for the glory of him and with a desire to be with him because he is in it? If you hear a yes, the answer emerging from that yes, the yes that you hear that emerges, then you have found a truly good work, free of vain pursuits, and if you do not deviate from it, you will receive an eternal reward, your beautiful soul. But a no will cause sorrow. However, even this can be good, a good sorrow. 
when you take that sorrow and as your call to repentance, a call to change, that precious refining fire of repentance. Peter lost sight of his Lord, even as he desired to be near him in the storm. He cried out, Lord, save me. And you can do the same. When you cry out to him, Jesus' hand is there to bring you from the depths of this sorrow into his precious hands. He is the fire which purifies us, and he is able to save our souls. So understand this from the readings today, that Christ is the foundation, the goal, and the measure of the substance of our lives. We begin when we recognize that Jesus is God. The he is the I am. That's which spoke to Moses and the unburnt burning bush. And through the ages, even to you today. Journey toward him in the miracle of salvation. Work and be built up in the love of God, gaining the virtues and your full and real selves. The fruit and reward of your life are in him. We will end our earthly life and come face to face with him on the last day, and so be measured by him who is love. Any part of our life that lasts beyond here and now, does so because they are of God and are accomplished through him. All that lasts eternally is of him because he is the foundation, the goal, and the measure of all things. So my brothers and sisters, in our master and savior, he who is, Christ the son of God, he vouchsafes us who are of little faith and who are doubters. We who so often lose sight of him, and are afraid, yet desire him. He guides us to participate in his miraculous life up to the last day and beyond. May he grant us to be ever spiritually watchful, our eyes always on him, and not on the storms that rage around. O sweet Savior, take us into and keep us in the unsinkable ship that is your holy church, as thou didst vouchsafe Peter and all the disciples that we may arrive to the safe harbor of thy kingdom, to become purified as everlasting gems and laden with thy rich blessings. Amen.